Good morning. For those of you that if this is your first time, my name is Craig. I'm the preaching pastor uh, here at Generations, and we're just really glad uh, that you're with us. We hope you'll pick up your free latte and your, uh, your gift bag uh, as well back there. I would love to meet you afterwards. I, I will be uh, in the foyer. So we're uh, k- kicking off a new series. It's the first of the year, uh, and uh, we thought we would kind of start out with going through a book. It's been a while since I've kind of worked through a book, uh, and so um, we're going to do that. I'm, I'm calling the, the whole series, uh, The Father's Heart is Love, uh, and we're going to be looking at 1 John. How many are familiar with 1 John? It's a little book at, towards, towards the end of it, um, and so uh, I, I kind of wanted to this morning kind of set a little bit um, what what. The, the context is, uh, and then kind of jump into the, the first section together. Um, and so really the, 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 the overall theme through First uh, John is this idea of the Father whose heart is love for you and, and for me, and everything he does, he does out of love because he loves us. Uh, some of that is, is hard stuff, uh, just like, you know, if you have kids, uh, you do hard stuff for your kids uh, and sometimes to your kids because you love them, amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah I know the to the kids kind of thing. Um, but, but so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of take a, a, a realistic look at this. Uh, and so uh, just to kind of get you in, into the, this, just up to speed, um, that's all right, I'm going to try and stand up. My staff is worried I'm going to fall down in the middle of the sermon, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> but thank you very much. Um, so uh, the John, who wrote, who wrote these books, was the Apostle John, uh, who was a follower of Jesus, you know, uh, uh, when he was going around. And um, he, he was probably a teenager uh, when, when he started following Jesus. We don't know where exactly, but, but he was a teenager. And now, when he's writing these books, he, he's not only old, he is elderly. Like, he is, like, really old. Uh, we think these books were probably written in the, uh, the last decade of the first century somewhere. Uh, and so uh, he, he's kind of come to this new perspective. I, you know, those of you who <coughs> are a little older, um, as we get older, we, we gain perspective in life. Amen? There, there are things that, that I look back on when I was 25, and I was really sure that was right and that was important. And I look back now and go, I was so dumb. I was so dumb, you know? Um, and, and so this is, this is John, the mature John, that, that has been with Jesus, that has now lived this out for, for quite a while. And, and it's, it's been a tough, a tough go. Uh, at first, the, the, the Christians were well accepted, and it was wonderful, but, but persecution arose. And after the fall of, of Rome, uh, after some of that, and after Rome burned with Nero, and uh, Christians got, became persecuted, and, and it's, it's a difficult context. Lots of people lost their lives, and, and not only that, but then when, when, when some of the persecution kind of ceased, they, there were people who had kind of turned other Christians in, Christians who turned them in, you know, and some of those people lost their lives, and, and then when the persecution ceased, they wanted to be back in the community, and so when, when they talk about forgiveness, they're talking about big-time forgiveness here. And so it's a much different picture than it was when Paul was writing the books. It's, it's a whole different, different world. Um, and, and yet John brings a unique perspective because John was also Jesus' closest friend. If you have a best friend or people that are really close to you, they have insight into not just what you do but why you do it, you know. 
And, and so John brings to us that, that kind of perspective. And then, then in addition to all of that, there, there was a group of people now this late in the church who had, who had been early followers of Jesus and they kind of uh, did you know, that part. And then, and then they kind of left. They began to disagree with the apostles about what the gospel was and what the teaching of Jesus was. And they, they, they thought they had special knowledge that God had given them special revelation that, that nobody else had. Even the apostles didn't have. And they kind of elevated themselves over the apostles. And this group eventually becomes what we know today as the Gnostics. And they're all about, about knowledge. And so they struggle with this whole thing. And so um, th this book is, I, I love John. I love all of John's writings. Uh, in, in large part because it's so realistic. They're, they're over the honeymoon of being followers of Jesus. People have died. Okay? It's, it's hard. Some of them face uh, difficult circumstances and persecution. Uh, they're struggling with issues of who's in and who's out and how do we love like Jesus wanted us to love. And so John is calling them back to this. Both the book of John, which is very different from what we call the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, and, and, and his books, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and then the book of Revelation. We believe all of these were written probably uh, fairly close together, and he wrote them while he was in Ephesus, and if some of you have heard me preach about Ephesus, Ephesus was a terribly wicked place. There was all kinds of crazy stuff going on uh, in that place, and so that's where he was, and this letter was meant to be circulated. It wasn't written to any one church. It would be passed around Asia Minor, so it's meant to, to have this big, broad kind of a thing going on. And so for the next seven weeks or so, we're going to kind of be in the book of 1 John. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John, mark it, because we're going to be there uh, for, for a while. Um, and so the, the theme kind of in the section that I want to look at this morning uh, is uh, in 1 John is, is this. Love is the source of light. Love is the source of light. You all know what this is. Ooh, good. Everybody knows what a light bulb is. Great. I got a Congregation of geniuses, so we're good, you know. So th this, you understand, is a source of light. It is not light itself, right? Yeah, no amount of wishing on my part will make this light up, okay? I know I have an electric personality, but not that much, so. <laughs> I, I, I can say, you know, light up. I could pray. I could do whatever I want. It, you know, barring God intervening with a miracle, it's not going to light up. But if I want light in my house, I need one of these, don't I? or two or three or four of these. And so there's a really important distinction here between the source of light and light itself. They're not, they're not the same thing. They're, they're different, but they're important. So what other sources of light are there in our world? Sun, that's the big dog. Candle, fire. What? Still didn't hear you. Moon, oh yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm getting older and I, you know, speak up, speak up. <laughs> what other ones? Sun, yeah, that would, yep. What? Stars, yes, which are suns far away, yeah. So there are all kinds of sources uh, of light in, in our world, and, and we distinguish between the source and, and the light I itself. And so before we get too far into this, um, you think of light very differently than they did in the first century. Because for you, uh, when we want light, we go flip a switch and it provides electricity to one of these and things light up, right? Yeah. Any of you got, got lights on like, your, like the internet? You can go on and just turn them on, on and off. Yeah, some of you do. That is so cool, you know. So, so you can literally take your phone and go click, click, click and the lights come on. But in the first century, if you wanted light, you had to build a fire. 
And if you wanted to carry it with you, you had to either get a candle or you had to get a lampstand or something and take it with you. And you could not light up big places very easily without burning everything down, which was a whole other set of issues that they had with that kind of world. And so, so for, for you and for I, a light is easy. And when they say we, this passage is going to talk about light, it's easy to think about it in our terms. I want to challenge you to think about this like you're a first century Jew, where, where light is, is something that only penetrates so far. Where light is, is work and where, where light is, is associated with all kinds of other things. There's smells, there's heat, there's danger, there's all of those sorts of things that are a part of this world of, of light that, that we have. And so um, he's going he's gonna to talk a, about these with us. Uh, and he's going to argue, what I have argued here, that the source of light is love. And so without love, you won't have light and we tend to associate that with, with knowledge or information or, or the ability to understand. You know, are you enlightened? Uh, have you got light about this? And even in the physical world, it, it works that way. I, I would bet every one of you at some point walked into your child's room and you wanted to make sure they stayed asleep so you didn't turn on the lights and you stepped on a Lego. And you said words you won't say to my face, right? And you go, I need light, because light guides us. We can see what we're doing. We don't make a mistake. I, uh, I, uh, I use that illustration fairly often. Uh, and I, I ran across the person that was kind of talking to me and said, you know, much older than me, my parents' generation, you, you think it's so bad that, that you go into a dark room with your kid and you step on a Lego. When I was your age, you know, you got my rolling my eyes. So here we go, right? He said... We had jacks. Ooh. Okay, you win. <laughs> Imagine those things. Anyway, so we all agree that light is important, amen? And it guides us. And so um, let, let's uh, take our Bibles, if you will, and turn to 1 John uh, uh, chapter 1. Uh, and I, the, I'm going to kind of work through 5 through 14, although we're not going to read all of that. Um, and, and so this is a, a new command. There's this, this tension in this between the new commands and the old commands. Uh, and the new commands are positive. The, the new commands are, give, give life to us. Uh, and so beginning at, at verse 5, uh, it says, uh, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. Now that's really important because this is John speaking. So he heard this message directly from Jesus, right? This isn't secondhand or any of that. He's the only one left when he writes this that actually heard directly from Jesus, okay? God is light, if you want to navigate your life, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. So not only is God light, he's completely light. There is no darkness in him. If we claim to have fellowship with him, the word's koinonia, uh, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. So John's capable of being pretty confrontive here because he's calling people liars, okay? But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship and that, your notes there, and it's koinonia, with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So for, for John, there's this huge contrast. There's, there's no in-between. You are either in the light, and you walk in the light, or you are not in the light, and therefore you are in darkness. There's no, there's no twilight. It, it, it's two sides, either in with Christ or, or, or out, but, but you can't be in, in the middle. You can't have it, can't have it both ways, and and this is part of what was going on with John was he was talking about these teachers who, who claimed to be in the light, but their lives didn't, didn't measure up to that. And, and I'm guessing that any of you who've been around the church very long are familiar with this word, hypocrite. 
right? That is one of the hits that often gets made on the church. And quite frankly, it's true too often. And I just want you to know it was true in the first century. Poor old John is struggling with the hypocrites in the church who claimed to be followers of Jesus, but they lived like the devil. You know, they, they, didn't, they didn't get it. And so John is like, he's really kind of coming on strong. This is the beginning of the letter. He wants to make it uh, really clear uh, to them. If you claim a relationship like with Jesus, then your life needs to re- reflect that. Or, or you're fooling yourself. You're, you're in the darkness. You're not in the light. Okay, let's move on because that's kind of heavy. <laughs> Second uh, chapter, beginning at verse uh, 4, it says, Whoever says, I know him, and the word for know there is, is intimate knowledge. Uh, uh, it, uh, sorry. <laughs> perfectly good sentence but does not know what does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not that in that person but if anyone obeys his word love love for god is truly made complete in them get that if anyone obeys his word or his commands love for god is truly made complete in them this is how we know we are in him okay when that love is made complete when we obey him whoever claims to live in him must live as jesus did must live as Jesus did. And so what this is saying is a truth you all know. Relationship with God requires obedience to God. Relationship with God requires obedience to God. And, and that kind of falls on our ears in America kind of hard because we're like, I don't have to obey. You're not the king, you know. Well, as a matter of fact, he is. In fact, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So there's that. But let me give you a little better one. I think you all understand this already. If you have children and you're a good parent, you use a word called obey. Amen? Because if you want to raise good and healthy children, they have to learn to obey. Not only just because it's good to do that because one day they'll have a boss and bosses insist that you do what they say. Who knew, you know? But, but also just for their own good, you know? Playing out in the street is not okay and they have to obey you and not do that whether they like it or not or whether they understand it or not. Now let me push a little further. Obedience really matters when you disagree. See, it's easier to obey when I agree with God. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that, God. But when God says, don't go there, Craig, and I want to go there, it's like, well, can we talk about this, you know? You see, obedience is really only obedience when I want to do something else and God doesn't want me to do it. Does that make sense to you? And I'm here to tell you, God is not doing that just because he's on an ego trip. God is saying to me, don't go there because he knows better than me. Just like I knew better than my five-year-old when they were growing up, the kids. He's the only one that can see over the horizon and around the corner. And so when I say to you that, that we have to obey to be in relationship with Christ, that is the act of a loving God who is your father, who is your dad, who's trying to protect you, who wants to do something powerful in you. In fact, it goes on to say that love, that obedience completes love. That, that there's something about that when you get that, when, when, when they, you fall into that relationship and you, you obey him. And, and you begin to get why he tells you those things. You know, one of the great things about my stage of life, I'm in the empty nest, is has been watching my, my kids grow up. And, and, and you know, they're kind of going through the teenage years and you're like, are they ever going to grow up? And then, then one day, they do something that gives you like a flash of adulthood. And you're like, wow. And then it's gone. It's like, oh, you know. And then, you know, like months later, there's another flash. And it lasts a little longer. And it's like, you know. And you get more of these. And it goes back and forth as they begin to embrace the obedience and complete the love in the relationship. 
And then you find yourself like I was this Thanksgiving with my daughter and her husband and my son and his wife looking around that table and going, they have turned into responsible, God-fearing, God-loving adults. And there was a sense of completeness in that. That my family's, it's, it's, they've arrived. And, and that's what he means in all of this. There's a, there's a completeness in this. And then the passage of scripture that I think that's really great here. Uh, 9 and 10. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother or sister lives in the light. And the word therefore is dwell, sets up a dwelling place. And there is nothing in him to make him stumble. Now, the good news about this passage is I don't hate anybody. Amen? Aren't you glad you don't hate anybody? And so this does not apply to me. Yeah, you knew that was going to go wrong, didn't you? Here's the problem. The English word hate doesn't really capture the Greek word in the, middle of, in the midst of this. In fact, when we think of hate, we all let ourselves off when we read this verse. Because I don't hate anybody or I don't hate very many people. You know, there is that one guy. But most, most people I don't. And the English word for hate is a motive, right? It's a feeling. It's, it's adversarial. It's a word you use for your enemies. And so we think, great, I, 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 don't, I don't have that. But the Greek word is maseo. Say, maseo. Maseo, I'm going to use that a lot. And, and the Greek word doesn't really carry the emotion that the word English word hate does. It actually carries the idea of to love less or to esteem less or to denounce. To love someone or something less than someone else. To renounce in favor of someone else. To treat with indifference. Man, when I was looking this word up and I got to that, I go, ouch, ouch. You see, you can say maseo without any emotion at all. All it takes is this idea that that brother or sister doesn't count. They're, they're just not that important. It, 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 you know, just indifference to them. And all of a sudden, this verse that I thought I was getting by without having to worry about, it applies to me. Because sometimes, can I be honest some, sometimes I'm a sayo. I think about people with indifference. Well, that's just, you know, there's that guy down there that's like, ah, I don't know about him, and he's not that important. And Maseo, say Maseo again. And, and, and I would be willing to bet that, that for many of us, we have that in our life. We, we don't hate anybody. But we must say, oh, some people, we think they're less. We think they're not as important. We treat them with indifference. And so kind of to wrap that verse together, it says, Our fellowship with our Heavenly Father is directly connected to the quality of our relationship with our brothers and sisters. The fellowship, our fellowship with our Heavenly Father is directly connected to the quality of our relationships with our brothers and sisters. Maybe even contentious. In fact, Jesus says this all over the place, that, that the, the horizontal matters as much as the vertical. And if you don't have the horizontal right, you probably don't have the vertical right. Do you remember what Jesus said when they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? Boil it all down, Jesus. They were trying to trap him. And Jesus said, love God with your whole being and love your neighbors like their family, basically is what that, that word means there. And in fact, in Matthew, he went on to say, all of your religion has to be built on this. 
The, the whole thing has to be built on this. So here's John all these years later hearkening back to that. And he said, what Jesus said there, that's really, really, really important at what you do. God has always insisted on this. And, and, and you get this. You already understand. If you have kids, you understand this. How, how many of you, when, you're, when your kids were little, if you caught one mistreating the other, did something about it? Yeah, you did, you know, it, because they're your kids, and it's not okay for them to mistreat each other. And I get that siblings go through at least some stages where they don't always like each other, amen? Yeah. But, but the truth of the matter is, mom and dad are going to insist that you treat each other well, that you not devalue one another, that you not treat each other with indifference, that you not disregard one another, that you, you love one another with all of the work that goes into that. And, and, and so you, as mere humans, understand that it's not okay for the children to, to harm one another or treat one another bad. Imagine what it is for God, who is our Heavenly Father, who looks at all of you and you're, you're all His children. And so when we devalue someone or we, we let, make them less than anybody else, then, then God, that just grieves the heart of God. And so even in, in your relationships, you understand that, that the people, your children, how they treat one another affects their relationship with you. And so it is with God as well. And so just kind of say it real flat out. It matters to God how we treat others. Let's read that together. It matters to God. Yes. Living that, that, that way is, is the way he intended for us. That is the light. To live in love is the light that dwells in us. And, and it, it's this idea. You, you want to know how to have light in your life and relationships? You want wisdom and how to get along and how to make the decisions? Live in love. Because that's the source. Love is the source that, that brings the light into uh, our lives. And so it, it matters. But, but not only that, and now I'm going to give up preaching and I'm going to go to meddling a little bit. So just fair warning, especially for those of you who've walked with the Lord a long time, secret sins can be dangerous. Yeah, you know, can I just be honest? I've, I've walked with the Lord since I was six years old. There was a little ruckus during the teenage years, but for the most part, I've walked with the Lord. We won't talk about that. But I can't remember the last time I was tempted to rob a bank. That just doesn't happen in my world. I, honestly, I have zero temptation to do drugs of any kind. I'm not tempted to cheat on my wife or kill anyone. But the temptations I face are in my heart. Because sometimes I'm tempted to treat people who are brothers and sisters in Christ with indifference. I'm tempted to think, you know, that person, they're just, they are high maintenance. Nervous laughter across the congregation. Oh, he really is meddling today. You know? And so I find myself, and you all know that I'm into spiritual disciplines. One of my spiritual disciplines is confession. Where I say to God, that person, I'm really struggling, Lord. I'm struggling, Lord. Because I know if I want to walk in the light as he is in the light, I can't mat- mateo anybody, maseo anybody. And, and so I, I'm, just, I'm just pushing in. If you're a mature follower of Jesus, you're, you're probably in the same boat. You're probably not tempted to rob a bank, you know. 
You, probably the external things, if you've walked with the Lord long enough, you've kind of worked those out. I, I, I can behave like a Christian pretty well. I just have good habits. I grew up in a good Christian home. But God speaks to my heart. And he says, is the love of the Father in that place? Is that, is that a part of it? Because we know love is light. Amen? And if you always do the loving thing, you will always do the light-bearing thing. It will it'll always be a part of it. In fact, he says, you will not stumble if you get this love thing. And, and so the, the question for this, and I've, I've been asking a lot lately, what would I do if I loved them like Jesus loves them? What, what would I do with that homeless person if I loved them like Jesus loved them? It's part of the reason I push you so hard with our, our homeless ministry and our compassionate ministry, and we raise money for it, and we are so blessed with Christina who leads that ministry and, and does great things through, through all of that because the question is, how would Jesus love the homeless? I think you'd do something about it. Now, don't misunderstand me. This isn't a love that just allows anything to happen. A part of real love is sometimes you have to speak hard truth to people, Amen. Because if you don't, that's not, that's not really love. So I'm not, I'm not talking about some, you know, 14-year-old girl that's in love with the quarterback of the junior high football team. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about hard love. Love them like Jesus would love them. What would you, how would you love them if it was your child or your sibling or your parent? Those are the questions when we say love is light. Jesus called us to do that. That's what that greatest commandment is about, as to what he wants to do. And so, if I could kind of get this concept together, here's how I'm thinking about this. This is, be like dad. Be, be, be like dad. And I, I know some of you didn't have great dads, and, and I'm really sorry for that. I have good news for you. You have a great heavenly dad. He, he, he loves you, and he's for you. And, and, and one of the things I've discovered is that the older you get, the more you get like dad. In fact, every morning when I get up and I look in the mirror, there's dad in the mirror. Hey, dad, what are you doing in there, you know? More and more I look like him, and, and, and so it's a part of it. But, but more and more and more, I find myself valuing who my dad was and wanting to be like him in so, so many ways. He was my hero. He, he helped me. He, he guided me. He, he did everything he could for me. He sacrificed for me. He, he sacrificed in amazing ways. I, I don't know if I've ever shared this, but, but um, my dad wanted to be a doctor. But he got involved in some really sinful things very early on. He dropped out. He didn't finish the 10th grade, so he's a ninth grader of his education. And by the time he got back to the Lord, he, could, he wouldn't be able to get that far. And so he never got to go to college or... And he always wanted to do that. When it came time for me to go to college, I was his firstborn. About a year, two years before that, he realized that it was going to cost a lot of money because I went to a small private college. And he began to pick up all of the overtime he could get. And he just worked hours and hours and hours and hours so his son could have what he never got. Can I tell you my most embarrassing moment in my life? My dad was not articulate. A little goofy. <laughs> I remember when I was at college a few years into it, and I had my nice, well-educated college friends, and we studied philosophy, and we were really smart. And my dad came, and he said something crazy, and I was embarrassed by him. And years later, the Lord brought me back and said, how dare you be embarrassed by a man that loved you so, so much. And that's when I understood what it was to love and follow the commandments of my father, to be like him. 
And so I implore you through 1 John, be like your heavenly Father, because I believe with all of my heart, next slide, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, I, I remember, how many of you remember a day in the church when we used to call each other brother and sister? You remember that? Yeah, we, it was brother Craig, brother Dennis, brother fill, fill, fill in the blank. And, and I understand why, you know, some of that has kind of changed. But can I be honest? I think we lost something when we stopped doing that. I, I think we, we lost something in, in the midst of that. And so I, I'm just about this close to going on to a campaign to get my whole church to call one another brother and sister, okay? So I, I'm, I'm thinking about that. So, so what I want you to do, I want you to look to the person next to you and say, you're my brother in Christ. Unless it's a girl, then say it's my sister in Christ, okay? So we'll try that. Felt kind of good, didn't it? You are brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we are family. We are family. That's why we have that up there. We are not biologically related always, but, but we, are, we are a part of the family of God. You are a part of the family of God. Oh, come on. We're going to be together for eternity. You are a part of the family of God. Yes, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so if I call you brother or sister, get over it. It's the truth, okay? You can experiment with some others and, and, and try and call that. Some of you older ones, you can help us uh, learn how, how to do this. So let's, let's, uh, let's quickly, I just want to do um, some, uh, next slide, so just some action steps, some things to help us as, as we work on this. Number one, uh, next slide, say what Jesus said. Uh, Jesus spoke harshly, honestly to people like me that were, that were hypocrites. But he spoke love and kindness and gentleness and care and grace and mercy to everyone who was broken. Amen. May those be our words. Uh, next slide. Do what Jesus did. Everywhere he went, he made people and he made situations better. I would love it if that were our reputation. I, those generation people up there, they're kind of weird and their pastor's way weird. But everywhere they go, they make it better. They bring help and grace. Uh, next slide. Avoid what Jesus avoided. You know what Jesus avoided? He avoided the opinions of religious hypocrites. He was going at dinner with all the wrong people and hanging out with all those. He was just loving on people everywhere he went. And that's what John says. The Father's heart was, was love. And then last slide. Love who Jesus said to love. And you know who he said to love? Everyone. We have a winner over here. Everyone. Love who Jesus said to love. If, I, if the band would come, sorry, I got wrapped up in that story and I kind of forgot to get him. Uh, we're going to sing in, in just a minute. And, and so I, I want to just encourage you. Say what Jesus said. Do what Jesus said. Do what Jesus did. Avoid what Jesus avoided and love who Jesus loved. Increase the love in your life. And then a lot of those other things, they will work themselves out. Because when you truly, truly love, it's easier to see what needs to be done. Amen. All right. You ready to worship the Lord in giving? Woohoo! Yes, we love to worship the Lord in giving. Uh, and so, uh, just there's several ways you can do that. You can do it. You can actually put, you know, like cash in the offering plate as it goes by. We'll still take that. Um, you can do it electronically. You can do it on our app. There's all kinds of ways. You can do it on the webpage uh, as well uh, out there. Um, and, and just, I, I just need to say, having completed another year uh, financially, thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, I, you guys are a generous, generous uh, people, and even, even I know a lot of you were a part of the Christmas Eve offering we did that goes to our, our ministry to the poor. We doubled what we did a year ago 
yeah, it's over $3,000 to help the, yeah, absolutely. And so I just want to say thank you to all of you and, and for your faithfulness uh, financially going in uh, to the year that is ahead. Let me, let me pray for you, and then we're going to worship the Lord in giving, uh, and we're going to sing together. So, Father God, thank you for your love. Thank you, Father, that you loved us enough to pursue us and come after us, to make us like you, Father. Forgive us that sometimes, well, sometimes, Father, we look at our brothers and sisters in Christ with... Maseo, help us, Father, to not be indifferent, to, to care. Prick our hearts, Father. Make us like Dad, we pray. And bless and honor this offering and multiply it to the work of your kingdom. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.